This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, what do you need to know to financially succeed over the next year? Paula Shelaskowski, Senior Wealth Advisor at Meridian Credit Union, helps us understand what the Bank of Canada's interest rate changes mean for all of us, from cash to investments to life and the long-term look. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing, film expert and buddy from Penticton, helps us understand some good ideas and some bad for shows this weekend. And what is the stupidest way you've ever injured yourself? Come on, admit it. We've all done it. We've got some amazing stories of a very bumpy ride of things that you have done to injure yourself on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Money costs more money. That's what this boils down to. That's what happened today. Bank of Canada interest rate goes up. Going to cost us more money to use someone else's money. Of course, I, as I say that, I realize if you don't rely on other people's money, this probably doesn't impact you much. <laughs> but most of us do. And our guest here to talk about that and help us understand what's going on is a man by the name of Paul Shelestowski. He's Senior Wealth Advisor at Meridian Credit Union. And uh, Paul, we've already gone up a little bit. Now we've got more. Gossip says there's more to come before the end of the year. Tell us what happened today and help us understand what's changed in the last few months. Let's look back in time. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on, Shane. It definitely has changed over the last few months, even over the last day, because there was a 70% chance uh, built in of a 75 basis point rate hike. And as we know, it only came in at 50 that was actually really well received by the markets. The markets went up in Canada, the dollar went up in Canada. And I really think that Tiff Macklin was just trying to make as many people happy as he could with that decision. He was starting to get a lot of criticism of going up too fast, too hard, but they really wanna break the back of inflation. And if they didn't start raising rates last year, like they probably should have, they've got a lot of catching up to do this year. So I understand why he only did 50 basis points. But as you said, there's probably going to be more to come because inflation is not broken yet. Mm -hmm. um, now, is this one of those, I'm just going to under promise and over deliver scenarios to to kind of save my bacon here. Now, I don't want you to necessarily, um, you know, assume anything. But I mean, it seems like, hey, by the way, there's more to come. We're not really going to pull the Band-Aid off today. We're just going to kind of tug it a little bit. I think that's part of it, but I will say it, you know, in the, in his defense that for the last month or so, the rhetoric really has been that as we're getting closer to the end of the rate hiking regime, things are becoming clearer. So when they started this in March and, and, and in the summer, they're just throwing everything at it that they could and hoping something stuck. Now they're seeing things are starting to stick. We're starting to see oil prices come down. We're seeing housing prices come down but we're not seeing grocery prices come down. We're not seeing service prices come down. So they don't wanna just keep throwing everything at the wall anymore. They wanna be a little bit more, uh, you know, tactical with what they're doing and, and then taking a wait and see. Because it does, honestly, it's a very blunt instrument rate hikes. So they raise the rate and then see where it takes them three months down the road. Well, is it as simple as they make things they make this money part more expensive. So other pieces of our lives, you know, the demand balance cost over cost, overhead cost, 
um, all of those wholesale costs of items, all those things, they come back into balance again. Maybe out of the pandemic, demand was wildly out of control or, or something else had happened. Supply was out of control this way or that way. Is this basically what we're looking at here is like, look, we're going to make this part of life more expensive and that part of life might go back to normal. Yeah, and that's that's how you fight inflation, right? Is you just price, um, you know, you make things too expensive to buy, and you also make it too attractive to save. So when interest rates are zero percent, nobody's saving, everybody's spending. I can actually get a one-year GIC for my clients now at four point six percent. We haven't said that since two thousand and eight. So they think, oh, I might buy a car. I might actually save instead. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of pieces to that puzzle that raising the interest rates uh, start to affect, and we're actually really starting to see it take hold. The one thing that we're not seeing yet, though, is we really want to see unemployment go up. That sounds counterintuitive, right? but to fight inflation, you need higher unemployment. You need less people making a lot of money. And wage growth was 5% year over year. Uh, in September. So people are making more money. They're still spending money. And as long as that part of it is still intact, inflation is going to be sticky. Now, through the pandemic, they they pumped a lot of money into the into the world, right? Like they did. And I, hey, look, they needed to do something. And the solution protected a lot of people because guys like you and me, we're just employees. And we were always told, by the way, you should have three months of liquid cash available just in case. Well, guess yeah. what? It took longer than three months, right? Like, so the things they did seem to work. Now, they might have overdone it with the cash. There's an awful lot of cash that got dumped into the market. Is is that impactful? Because, I mean, there are people who benefit from that because the cash goes somewhere. And inflation balances the cost of things and puts the checks of the the human behavior into it. But I guess there's no way that you can just suck some cash out of the market, is there? No, there really isn't. It it takes a long time. It can take, we could see rate hikes right up until into next year to really slow down the cash flow. And in most people do believe that yes, they overdid it in 2020, but they'd rather overdo it than underdo it and have a lingering problem. So they, like I said, they threw everything they could at it and it worked. They put the fire out, um, but now it's created another fire two years later that's be, that's proving to be a lot harder to extinguish. And believe it or not, there actually is still a lot of cash on the sidelines. Last year, Canadian saving rates were up 25% uh, because a lot of people just hung on to that money. Not everybody could do that, though. You get service workers, you get people that lost their jobs. Yeah, they burn through their their savings. Um, but for Canadians in general, their savings actually went up uh, because of all the money that was thrown at it, and it hasn't come back into the markets yet. Mm-hmm. So when we look at inflation, is that why we see this wildly out of balance um, scenario when we hear complaining? I mean, we complain as human beings, it's sort of our nature. But you have these people that are are calculating how much ramen they can eat by the end of the week with the change of grocery prices that they're grateful they don't maybe drive because gas prices and they're catching transit to make ends meet and then you have other people that are buying up every new car that they could possibly get right now um or they're going on vacations it seems wildly out of balance in canada is that a a byproduct of these two scenarios maybe the gap in between them yeah it, it really is i mean the people that were always on the margin uh, living paycheck to paycheck, it destroyed them. Like the inflation affects them the most. 
if if you are not living paycheck to paycheck, if you've got a year's worth of savings put together, a little bit of inflation for a year or two years isn't going to derail your long-term plan. But the people that, um, you know, they don't have an extra $100 a month, and now their mortgage payment went up by $300, they're going to be completely um, sidelined by this. Fixed versus variable. I'm more of a, by my nature, I like a good, reliable mortgage payment. I like to know what that is. That doesn't always work in the long run, but hey, it's predictable. Yet on the other side, I must be like, I would be the worst client ever for you, by the way. Um, on the other side of it, I'm much more of a line of credit debt person inside business and everything else, which is very variable. And, right. um, and so uh, I find that maybe I'm just afraid of commitment, Paul. I don't know. I, I'm not going to judge. Uh, thank you. I, but so there are aspects of our lives that are very secured and aspects that are not. I had to, and I'll share this as an example for everybody. I had to just consolidate a bunch of stuff into a fixed loan in order to be able to manage some of the business things going on, because at least it became predictable. It was scaling, the variable interest was scaling that business, stress that business to a point where, I don't know if this is gonna gobble up on my margins and I can survive this. If I lock this today, I can pay it down, at least I know what it's gonna be for the next year, and I can manage on that. I can't be the only one that's dealing with things that way. No, it's, it's across the whole system it's um again with with that line of credit that you were talking about on a hundred thousand dollars your interest payments would have been 250 dollars a month that's gone up to close to 600 dollars now with the last rate hike and that variable um people can plan okay i know my i know i've got 250 dollars a month interest all of a sudden at 600 dollars a month uh it changes their whole cash flow whereas if they had that in a mortgage uh, predictable monthly payments. If your mortgage isn't coming due this year, this inflate this these interest rate hikes have nothing to do with you. You're insulated against them, and it's in our nature to have to to want to know what's predictable. Most people feel peace of mind when you know for the next twelve months here's my payment. But this year, almost every single month, your balance could stay the same and your payments are going up. Yeah, and that's stressing. Yeah, it is very stressing. I find that. And it's it takes a lot to sort of get through it. And I imagine there's an awful lot of people that are listening to Paul and I right now that are saying, you know, there's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of waking up in the mornings or in the middle of the nights going, oh, God, I got that feeling in my belly. Because yeah. it takes time for this to... Now, I've gone the other way. I would say that I'm, I had a divorce nine years ago. So that was at the end of my 30s, early 40s. And so I started over. And then I lost a business through COVID. So that reset mm -hmm. a bunch. And I'm so I'm a middle-aged guy who is working to rebuild everything. I'm a far riskier category investor these days than most people. I do can and I I can stomach it to the level that I track every single dollar every single week, even the high risk stuff. First thing financial advisors say is don't do that because you're gonna drive yourself crazy. But right. I do I do it with the commitment of knowing what I need to do to adapt. Because if high risk gets crushed now, I need to know. And I'm glad I did it that way because I was able to adjust decreasing values in certain investments and be able to adapt my spending to make sure that at least the net number was maybe not positive, but it was much more palatable. 
So people and there's go no up, surprises that way. No surprises, no surprises, right? right. Um, and so I know that, and I can say, okay, well, tell you what, I'm I'm going to live on leftovers and what's in the freezer this week, because I know that that investment just lost a thousand dollars, and I want to be net positive at the end. Right. And so if that's what it takes today, that's what it takes today. Now, when everything comes back, it's going to be a much rosier picture and it's going to feel better because I stick to it. A lot of people don't have my stomach, though, Paul. They, they can't do it that way. I'm not a gambler, but they they can't handle that. And that must be hard when you see these people come in and, and your colleagues and the conversation is like I'm I'm death by a thousand cuts today. It feels that way. Right. Because it, believe it or not, in March of 2020, the markets did much worse, but it was very fast and it came back very fast. You know, the, the markets were down at 1.35, 40%, but within a couple of months, they were right back on track because of all the money that was plowed into it. This feels, it's not as bad from a loss point of view. It feels worse because so far out of the 10 months of the year, eight of them have been negative. And that's, that's very, very unusual. And you just get that feeling like, when is this going to end? And we we do believe that on the market point of view we're probably through the worst of it but we're not at the bottom we're not going to see the bottom until the inflation is cooling and interest rates have stopped going up and maybe even on their way back down that's when we'll really see a good recovery the challenge is you can't say that's the bottom until you're past it a month right and that month is usually the best time to recover so death by a thousand cuts we've i've said that many times myself um, and and the, one of the hardest things right now is usually when the markets aren't doing well or when we look like we might be heading into recession, the government will cut rates. They're doing the opposite. They're raising rates. So there's a lot of counterintuitive intuitiveness going on. And for my clients, you know, my clients are pretty low, medium risk. A lot of them are retired. And so this is very unusual for them. If you look at what people consider to be the benchmark safety net, that would be the Canada bond universe in Canada or treasuries in the States. They're both down 15%. Mm -hmm. So when you think of your safety net being down 15%, how bad, you know, how bad are things? But most of that, that negative uh, bond market sell-off that's fully now pricing in what the fed wanted to get done. Yeah. That's why, that's why most of us tend to believe the worst is behind us. The best isn't around the corner but the worst is behind us. Well, if we were talking about a business today, we would probably come in and tell the uh, owners or the board and say, look, this is going to get worse before it gets better. That's mm -hmm. usually if you have to do the, if you're trying to fix the ledger, that's usually way the ledger goes in business. So um, we know that this is going to cost more money. The intention is to uh, mitigate the rest of the exposure costs, everything else. So Paul, what can we be excited about with this? I mean, what when you see this rate go up, um, we're getting the end of the line is can we leave everybody with something positive that that you see here that we can at least shine a little bit of sunshine on yeah again like i said i think i think the worst is behind us and you know i actually have people that are happy to talk to me about gic's now they can buy like i said they can buy gsc at 4.6 it's been a long time since we've had that conversation so when one group gets hurt mortgage holders oftentimes another group gets helped uh, the people on fixed income. So the people that are on fixed income that are buying GICs that don't have mortgages, they've never been in a better position financially. And once we get through the worst of this, I do believe it is going to make it easier 
for first-time home buyers to get into the housing market where they couldn't for the last five years mm -hmm. because housing prices are being reset mortgage prices will come back down and that's going to be the time where people that haven't been able to buy a house can actually start looking mm -hmm. well that's me again after years of renting after owning multiple properties and going back yeah. into the rental market so i mean that's you're talking directly into me and I, i'm not the only one that's going through that now, I'm not one to tell anybody to spend their money by any means, but is it worth saying that when markets are down and things are going down like this, for some people, that can be a shopping spree? It is. And and most of the fund managers that we work with are like a kid in a candy store right now. Um, they've gone from 50, 30% cash holdings down to 15, 10% cash holdings. They're buying stuff that's 30% off, 40% off that they've always wanted to hold. Uh, so it, if you can find a company that you like, that has good numbers, but it's been beaten up like Microsoft, like Google, like Apple, um, they're, they've never, they haven't been cheap at uh, this cheap in years. Mm -hmm. It's good. So there is an opportunity here. Can we keep this conversation going, Paul? Cause I, I think that we can, um, keep everybody updated a little bit with what's happening and, and yeah, make everyone feel to. a little better. Right. And I would yeah. also like to dig into some of the, some of the GIC things and, and, you know, that's. For some of the younger people, they'd might even be like, GIC, that's an old guy thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? It is a challenge still with GICs because, you know, we always, I always say the only thing a GIC is going to do is guarantee that you're going to lose money after after inflation. Right. 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 It, you're still net negative after inflation, but at least, you know, your principal is intact. Yeah. Very good. So there's so much yes. to be alert here. Uh, Paul Shelestowski is here on the shift helping us understand he's with Meridian and, um, and some little insight that don't be too terrified when you hear all of the dun 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 news about the interest rate. It's possible it could work out in our favor. Just could take some time. Thanks, Paul. Exactly. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. We probably should take a look at some of the scary movies. Joining us from the interior of BC, our favorite handsomest beardo of them all in Penticton. What the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing is here. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's, uh, you know, it's Halloween weekend almost. So it is. Feeling. This is your favorite time, isn't it? Right? Absolutely. This is the, the spooky month. I, I love it with the spooky wheel, everything. Oh, it's just great. Great times. Right. Um, Okay, so let's get started. Let's cut right into it because we do have the spooky wheel. Uh, Ryan and um, Steve are very excited about this. <laughs> what does it mean? Well, it means that we picked a scary movie last week and the fellas are very excited to talk about it. So let's get started with that in a second. New releases this week. Our first clip is Wendell and Wild. I know what you are, Cat. You're a hell maiden. But it has to be our secret. That's how I can protect you. Protect me from what? Your demons. All right, Wendell and Wild Steve Stebbing. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Uh, Henry Selleck, this is the guy behind uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, Monkey Bone. And now he's adapting his own book with the help of Jordan Peele, who co-wrote this with him, uh, for another beautifully animated stop-motion uh, film. 
uh, with Key and Peele reuniting to do, do the voices of Wendell and Wilde. And yeah, I, it's got a lot of heart. Uh, it's kind of about uh, underlyingly managing your demons. And I really dug that. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And it could be like one of those family uh, Halloween uh, rewatches every year, I think. A new tradition, Steve. There we go. We're always very exciting. All right. Next on the list of new releases with Steve Stebbing is Armageddon Time. The United States stands for an idea whose time is now. Ronald Reagan will win tonight. What a schmuck. (laughs) I think I want to be an artist when I grow up. You're going to be an artist if you want to be. Nothing's going to stop you. You're going to college. All right, so uh, small town life is killing you here, Steve, on this one. Pretty, uh, yeah, because I don't get to see this movie. I don't know really? when I'll get to see it here in Penticton. And it's really upsetting because it's uh, writer and director James Gray. And I love this guy. He doesn't make the same movie twice. I mean, his last movie was a sci-fi epic with uh, Brad Pitt called Ad Astra. He's done an adventurer movie, The Lost City of Zed. But uh, this movie, he's getting really introspective because it's quasi-biographical because this is like a coming-of-age movie set in the Reagan era and uh, basically about a family still trying to obtain that American dream, which they said still existed at that time, which is kind of the start of the death of the American dream. So it's uh, kind of ironic in a sense. It is ironic. I like that. Okay, so can't you just like drive up to Kelowna? Wouldn't it be in Kelowna? Or do you want me to dip into the shift travel budget and fly to Vancouver? Yeah, fly me to Vancouver for a couple, for a two and a half hour movie, and then fly me back. Yeah, that's good. Sure, we got I, all I'm kinds in, of that. budget. Just open up the vault. Yeah, all <laughs> kinds of money to spend here. There we go. <laughs> all right, <laughs> SteveStebbing.ca is uh, where you can go and check out all the things that Steve gets up to. Next on our shows, the we should watch this weekend. Nope. What if I told you that today? You'll leave here different. I'm talking to you. All right, so tell me what Nope is about, because I have a hard time understanding this one. Speaking of Jordan Peele, this is his third feature film. uh, And basically, it's uh, about a guy named OJ who is running uh, his father's horse ranch after his father passes away under mysterious circumstances uh reunites with his estranged sister to kind of figure out what they're going to do uh with the ranch and then something pops out of the sky and it seems to be eating things making things disappear uh and there's a lot to unpack with this movie there's just so much uh hidden stuff to this uh, so much subtlety but such a brilliantly written film with great character development and uh just so many nods to like classic spielberg and stuff in this like jordan peele really is uh, a master of tutelage who really shows off everything that is kind of built to where he is now. I mean, he even does an Akira slide in this one. And people that know the anime Akira know exactly what I'm talking about when I bring that up. I do not. <laughs> no. Hey, you know, it's it's a divisive thing. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, if it is inappropriate, I apologize. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I don't know what it is. But it's a I motorcycle like it's... move. It's a motorcycle move that happens in the okay. movie. It's like a big moment. Jordan Peele got to do it in this movie. He okay. geeked out about it hardcore in an interview, okay. so I had to bring it up. 
No, it's cool. I just it, it kind of felt dirty. Next on the list is uh, breaking. The guy in the gray hoodie is robbing the bank. Who's in charge here? Well, she is, but we're both. I'm, I'm the manager. Estelle Valerie. Estelle, uh, once they leave, you lock the front and back doors, you understand me? You lock them all. All right, so tell us about uh, breaking Steve Stebbing. Yeah, this is uh, based on a true story, but it's uh, about a, a former Marine uh, who is uh, who has you know now been discharged from the army and is denied uh, his compensation by Veteran Affairs. So he decides to take a Wells Fargo bank hostage, uh, and it's one of those tense uh, hostage negotiator and 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 the the bank robber kind of uh, negotiation film. Um, and John Boyega is the star of this one. Uh, people would know him from Star Wars, the the later trilogy here. Uh, and I really wanted to like this film because it is a very important one about uh, about kind of failing the people that have served the the American people and the American and and, and the states uh, in the military. And but it just kind of feels so uneven. Like the performances don't feel like they're always on par with with the lead actor and i just i thought the execution just left left a lot to be desired and for such an important story there really should have been more substance and feeling coming out of this film when you finish it steve stebbing.ca is his website uh every week steve always sort of pitches this idea because he kind of wigs out about a about a DVD, like he just sort of freaks out. And he calls it Steve's Complete DVD Freakout, just so you know. Um, so here it is. This is the choice this week. Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and my other brother, Daryl, the Complete Series. Fluffy ran like a chicken. <laughs> I love chickens, guys. Where do you get off? You guys are totally acting like jerks. Why don't you leave poor Jimmy alone? He's younger than you, you know, and blah, 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 blah. Man, Naz looks awesome today. All right, so tell us about Ed, Ed, and Eddie, the complete series, Steve. See, I'm a Teletoon kid. Like, I was I was kind of like a, a preteen teenager when Teletoon kicked off in Canada. And this Canadian series was part of uh, that rollout, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, which is just basically our version of Nickelodeon, like all those Dexter's Laboratory and, and Powerpuff Girls and all that kind of stuff. Like this was our Canadian version of it. And I think it's the only one really to uh, make it make it across into America and kind of hit hitting bigger on the Cartoon Network. And I think Johnny Bravo would be the only other one. But this one's just all nostalgia to kind of force on the kids now that it's in a it's, it's in a complete series box set, which is kind of what I'm doing. I'm, and she's sort of into it. I don't know. Maybe it's the 90s rust on it that's not totally uh, translating <laughs> super well. But uh, I still think it's hilarious. And it's just a, a, a nice uh, fog of nostalgia for sure. Well, that's kind of cool. We always have, everyone has that generational kids moment, right? For some people, for Canadians, it might be raccoons, right? Yes. Um, oh, that sure. would be one, um, you know, and these sort of Canadian icons through the ways that, that we've done. So I'm glad you brought that up. SteveStebbing.ca, what the hell should we watch this weekend? Tales of the Jedi on TV on Disney+. Plus. It is the only way you will truly have victory. My Padawan. Again. Again. Dooku, stand down.
here's the thing I don't understand about Star Wars, Steve. Okay. It's so far in the future. We've evolved. <laughs> We're traveling space. Amazing, right? Yet, people still have accents from Earth. You would think we would have homogenized a little bit more. You, you know, and, and it's funny because Bill Burr was in Mandalorian, and he's from Space Boston. Uh, or so we're led to believe. Um, I I don't know. I, I I guess like I think Ryan can can agree to this. We just kind of let it happen. <laughs> I love it. Just, it. Sounds it just sounds cool. Like he's got Count Dooku or Count mm. Dooku. It's just you know it's just a but creative choice because it yeah. sounds smart. Like I think that I always it think does. that people that sound like you're from America or Canada, we always sound kind of lazy, and then English folks with their Right then, proper English. Like they sound, they sound like super proper. And then when you take like someone who's super proper in their language, but then you make them a badass, somehow that's really cool. I'm just saying, a few hundred years from now, when this is all happening in space, you think we would have sort of all started speaking the same? Hello. I, you know, it's just leading towards a space opera where it's all just like dirt, like East London, like Guy Ritchie, like snatch accents, big that's fat jazz all. hands. That's what it is. <laughs> all right. Uh, what the hell should we watch this weekend? Steve Stebbing. There's the list. SteveStebbing.ca publishes all kinds of things, uh, bonus things on there as well, conversations, ideas, and reviews of movies, and so much more. This is the Shift Podcast. You might remember a couple of nights ago, I took a day off. I took a day off accidentally. I took a day off because I was walking with the hatch open on my SUV, so it opens up. And I don't know, it just didn't open all the way. Or maybe I was taller. Maybe I had good posture at that moment. I was walking, full speed walking, not even you know paying attention, because I could walk underneath that hatch any day. And I was looking down, and I walked into the hatch of my car. And it stunned me. And I was like, oh, that hurts. Now, I've had a bunch of injuries that are very nasty that, you know, the old pain threshold here is pretty high. And so I I literally, I know, okay. For example, I've had a toenail cut in half with scissors with no anesthetic and taken out. So, like, that, that is next. Actually, that was the first time my mom heard me swear. And it was so painful, I said bad words in front of my mother, and then I passed out. So... You know, I, I feel like as that as one of a long list of injuries in my life that I'm able to manage pain quite well. In this case, when I hit my head, I was like, oh, that hurts. And I went to keep going. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, work through it. I a second or two to keep loading the things in that I was going to put in. And I had to stop. I got down on my knees and put my head down on my bumper. And I was like, Oh no, I thought I would need stitches. And so I was a little, little gaga. turns out I'm okay. Bit of a headache, but everything else is okay. Which started a conversation about what is the worst way you have maybe most shameful way. Cause I felt really silly that you have hurt yourself. I want you to confess 877-399-9898. What is the worst self-injury you have inflicted on yourself? Now, my buddy Ryan O'Donnell, I know that you just assume he is so athletic that how is it possible he would be clumsy? Um, but turns out 
uh, Ryan O'Donnell's uh, quite clumsy and has hurt himself. Ryan, what uh, could you? You have a long list too of self-injury long, things. Long. Um, I mean, I've had some pretty. One time, I accidentally stabbed myself in the hand with a pair of scissors. I got mad at oh, my art that. project, and I went to go stab the art project, and I missed. Um, so there's that one. But I think the dumbest oh, one. Let me add before you tell me the dumb one. I'm going to add yeah. on to that one. I was uh, working at a golf course in Fort McMurray, the Miskinaw Golf Course, picked up a golf bag. Who keeps scissors in their golf bag, by the way? Not okay. And in the golf bag, in the pouch, there was scissors that were sticking out about three inches, and the bag swung into my leg, and I stabbed myself in the thigh. That was nasty. And to another time, I was in, I was on the wharf, Sydney, BC, shrimping, catching shrimp. So you take the dead fish and you tie it to the shrimp trap, drop it in the water. And I turned the knife specifically to cut through the the fish skin. I'm like, oh, turn the knife. Don't cut yourself. Take a wild guess. I turned it one too many times, and that was the first time I saw the bone in my finger. Oh, fun. I've, I've never gotten See? to the bone, but I've got something stupider than all the things you've listed. This is the dumbest thing. Oh, wow. It's so dumb that the doctor made me aware of it. So grade 12. Grade 12, Ryan, was the peak of my ego, 100%. I was on top of the world. And uh, it was the, the play. We were doing Xanadu, Olivia Newton-John. That was the the play. And uh, there was the drama room was was attached to the theater. And I needed to go backstage to get something. And I asked a friend to come with me. Uh, and uh, everybody in the drama room was like, turn the lights on in the theater. I went, oh, no, it's fine. I've been up and down this theater a million times. I know it, but I, I can see in the dark. Should be fine. There are stairs. Dude, that you can't see up. in the light. Have you seen your... Like, yeah, no. See, it's you, just really you stupid. You can't even see in the daylight. Yeah. Okay, right. so this gets worse. There are stairs that lead up to the stage. It's raised, but the stairs right. can be removed to be painted for oh, the show to become a set piece. No. I didn't know that the stairs had been removed. So I'm walking in the dark. I have walked past the light switch. I could have turned the light switch on. I walked and I went to go take a step, and there were no stairs. And so I just planted my face onto the side of the very very hard stage and cut my eye uh, the or the right beside my eye and so ow bang wow. you know you hit your head so hard you see a bright light right and i go in i'm like oh that's bleeding and then i'm like cleaning it up oh that's bleeding a lot and then i go to the doctor <laughs> and the doctor is like yeah you're gonna need like two stitches and he says sorry what did you do and i explained it to him and he just goes that was really stupid the doctor said that to me straight wow. up. He just looked at me and said, that was really stupid of you. I went, yeah. And then uh, it was okay, though. I got to walk around in school and be like, you guys should have seen the bear that left me this. Right. You, like, that's, that bear. you can't. You got to have a good story for a self-injury. Like yeah. this is where there are two times where it's okay to lie in life. One is at Christmas time and what's on your credit card statement. Like you're like, you can lie because it's Christmas presents, right? Where were you yep. today? Not at the mall buying you a Christmas gift, right? You can lie there. Yep. Um, and the other time is when you hurt yourself and you have a scar and it's from something stupid and then. You know, it's like the, there's a comedian, uh, I think it was Mitch, actually, uh, what's his name? He um, he has a story about getting bitten by a goose, and he had a scar <laughs> from a goose bite. But he had to change the story because it was a goose. Like, he yeah, had to totally lie yeah. because it was a goose. Like, that's a soft story. Like, I got attacked by a goose. Like, that's not scary at all. 877-399-9898. Uh, what is your worst self-injury Ryan's got more. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll get to them. Um, 
Text says, my worst self-injury was when I was about five. I got my middle finger slammed in the door of my mom's gremlin. I had been leaning on the car when my mom closed the door. It busted the end of my finger open and had to be sewed back on. Luckily, the nail root was not damaged, so after the nail fell off, it grew back just fine. That's that's great. (laughs) And a gremlin, too. Oh, see, that's that's gross stuff right there. Those are the okay. things. How have you self-injured? Fess up. Shameful. When I talked to uh, Kelsey, Kelsey Campbell, our executive producer here, I called her. I was like, she's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, I have a really embarrassing story, and I think it impacts our day. <laughs> I hurt myself, and I don't think I can work tonight. <laughs> now, she's a very caretaker. She's very nesting. She's a nester. And just, you know, are you okay? Can I take care of you? What do you need? Everything's fine. Um, cause she's, she takes care of us like crazy, but still, I mean, I was, I said, I'm very embarrassed to tell. She says, I know it's shameful. Can you tell me? <laughs> I didn't want to tell her because I was like, I walked into something and I'm dumb. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Um, what is the biggest self-inflicted injury that you've had in your life in Surrey? We have Catherine. Hey, Cat. Hello. What's your worst self-injury story? Well, I'm pretty upset because, you know, you get older and you want to brag about all the concerts you've been to. And I think I texted this in before. And I went to a Boston concert and uh, Cheap Trick was opening up for them. And, and my girlfriends and I, we were doing hash brownies. And I ate too many. (laughs) So, so, you know, Cheap Trick is going for it. And and so when they were over, I got up and I I left. (laughs) So my girlfriend had to chase me down and and throw me back in the chair and say, Boston hasn't started yet. So I'm pretty upset that I ate too many. So you literally didn't even see Boston? I did, but I thought Cheap Trick was Boston. Oh, wow. I was so gone on the hash brownies. <laughs> so I have no memories of it. And it just yeah. makes me mad because I went to Boston. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How was Boston? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So that's it. a lesson for everybody out there. Don't. There you go. <laughs> don't let Catherine take too many hash brownies. That's the lesson for everybody. No, for anybody do that. Oh. Then, oh, then they won't have memories. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much for the call, Cat. Appreciate you. Thanks. There you go. Well, we have to do it, right? Hey, I love Boston. Yeah. I got really confused for a second when I remember what was happening. Right? Um, 877-399-9898. What is your uh, worst self-injury? Time to confess. Um, double check the name, see if there's a name on this one. I want to acknowledge it. Uh, oh, it's from Glenny. Oh, that's Glenny was talking about um, how geese are terrifying. They are terrifying, but still, it's not a macho story to be uh, have a geese goose bite scar. Like a bear, right? Even a raccoon, trash panda scar. Like something fierce, right? Not a goose. Five years old, parents are in Scotland, so I'm staying with an already overwhelmed aunt. Hit my elbow on a slide, no biggie. Didn't even break the skin. Wrong. Week later, I have an elephant arm. To the emergency room. 
Just about lost my arm to a staph infection. Gets better. I wake up during the procedure, five years old, and the anesthetic wears off, and these mad scientists in lab coats are cutting my arm open with an electric pizza cutter. Hilarity ensues. Needless to say, last time that ant baby sat me. <laughs> that is absolutely wild. 877-399-9898. What is your worst self-inflicted injury? Um, I've had a couple of them. I dislocated my own knee once. That was weird. Um, and then I sat there and it was, the knee was out, like it was out of the socket and I couldn't move it because the, the joint wouldn't bend. The knee wasn't even in the joint. And, um, and I, um, I, uh, yeah, so I just sat there and then finally the joint slipped back in. I got up, walked away. It was the weirdest thing ever. I have one self-injury that is wildly inappropriate. Um, oh, um, um, drunk manscaping went wrong. Oh, so I'm oh, going to, no. I'm actually not going to read the rest of one. I don't, um, don't mix with booze. I guess it's really the, the thing to take away from that one. Um, I, yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, Lee in Vancouver, what is the worst of the self-inflicted injuries that you've uh, that you've had to go hey. through, Lee? How are you doing, Shane? Good, bud. Thanks for the call. I listen, I listen to you guys all the time. Oh, but thanks, this buddy. is a funny subject, eh? and it brought back to mind uh, that something happened to me, what I did to myself once. And uh, I've never, ever told anybody, ever. Uh-oh. But wow. anyway, <laughs> one time, I was in my room alone. Nobody was home. A song came on the radio, and when I started dancing, like a wild man, all over the room, and I turned around, and I smashed my knee into one of those cast iron radiators. Like old you know school hot water, water radiator? Yeah, one of those old shows into the, into the knob. I smashed the top of my knee into it. So here I am, man, rolling around the floor like crazy. Much later, I must have been on the floor for at least 20 minutes <laughs> wow. before that subsided. <laughs> anyway, nobody knew. And That's I, never cool. told I... Any, I never told anyone. Lee, I love but, the uh, fact that you were dancing like crazy, like a crazy person. Yeah. Like you felt yeah. the vibe, man. Like you were like, yeah. this is my jam. I'm going to give her. Like, <laughs> be honest with you, Lee. Has That's this put exactly a, a damper on your dancing skills in general? No, I never had any, but I was having fun. <laughs> That's so good. So anyway, and I smashed my knee, and the way I went down on the floor, rolled around for quite a while, and I never told anybody after that. I just kept it to myself. I thought, how stupid, how embarrassing, and I must have looked hilarious. Probably you know, looked if anybody would have saw me, I must have looked totally hilarious. Yeah, so but having fun, little... Lee. Yeah, I was having fun, but uh, as soon as I smashed that knee on that, on that radiator, that was it. Thanks, buddy. So I anyway, appreciate the phone call. Uh, Lee, thank you very much, Chef, for that. Lee in Vancouver right there, 877-399-9898. I think we all should dance like Lee. (laughs) This world is better if we dance like Lee. Absolutely. All right, let's go to Dean, who's in Calgary. Uh, Hey, Dean. How have you hurt yourself? Hey, how you doing? Good, bud. Uh, It was about nine years ago. I was playing poker in Red Deer. Uh And it was about three in the morning, so I finished up and headed home. I lived in a little town about 45 minutes out of Red Deer, and I was driving along and got uh, Alex. 
Alberta. Alex. Okay, yeah. Little you bet. little tiny town. Oh, Alex. Yeah. So I was about I was about two minutes away, and I had to go pee so bad, and I just thought, well, I'm just going to go on the highway here because I just didn't I didn't think I could even make it into my house. So so I stopped, but I stopped in the middle of the highway, stepped out, but I forgot to put it in park. And it started oh, no. driving, and my feet got tangled. So now my truck's driving down the highway, not very fast, but fast enough that I couldn't do anything. My, I was being drugged. I was hanging onto the steering wheel, and I finally oh, had no. to just let go. I couldn't stop it or anything. So, so when I let go, I fell to the ground, and I actually rolled under the truck, and it drove over my arm and oh, my almost God. drove over my head. And went from the elbow all the way over my hand, broke my hand, and split split the end of the um, the palm wide open. Oh, wow. So then I get up, and there's there's my truck driving down the highway, <laughs> like trying to run after. And it's not going fast because it's just an idle. But yeah. it finally, eventually, it just drove off into the ditch and and then just stopped. So. I was just so, like, okay, wait, I mean, so I just drive the to first the... person you saw when this Dean, when this all happened. So now you've banged yourself up. You're probably cut and bleeding because you see your hands split open. You're uh, feeling shameful, I'm assuming. <laughs> and who's the first yeah. person that you saw where you had to say, "You won't believe my night." Like, well, let, I'll tell you. It actually, here's what happened: was I, I had to phone nine one one because my my hand hurt. It just hurt too bad, yeah, and yeah. I just I knew I couldn't drive. So the first responders came from town and the both of them I knew the lady my both of them my kids played hockey with their kids so they both knew me <laughs> so oh, I had to no. sit there and explain to them what I what had just happened I realized oh how stupid I I felt so stupid and then the RCMP officer showed up and he's like in my face have you been drinking and I hadn't actually hadn't had nothing to drink but I thought well you know actually I wish I had been drinking because then I had an, yeah. had an excuse of why I was so stupid <laughs> driving over oh, myself. Wow. But and then um, you're yeah, so, so lucky. They had to, <laughs> the the worst was like it, it just it just about ran over my head. It hit it hit my head, but it pulled my head pulled back when the just I got fat enough head. I guess it was too hard for the tire to drive over. I've got a fat enough head. All right, Dean, I'm for time, but i got to end it there. Just we're out of time. Yeah, no That's problem. a fascinating story. I'm glad you're okay, and thank you for sharing your story. I feel your pain, especially when the people that you know um, are are there. Debbie in Maple Ridge is a little bit more like my injury. Uh, Debbie, I just need to be quick just for time, but how did you self-inflict hurt yourself? Oh, my God, I've got so many. Okay, first one, <laughs> when I was about nine months, I pulled a hot coffee pot down on myself. Burnt oh, my. Burnt the hell out of my legs. When I was three years old, we were at a picnic in a gravel pit. I was running towards the trunk of the car, slipped, fell, split my head open on the trailer hitch. Oh. Let me see. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know you know how your mom tells you not to climb up on the counter when you're small because you're going to fall and split your head open? Right. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't my head. It was my chin. It took oh. me three times to learn not to do that any longer. Where were your parents? <laughs> Probably not quick enough to catch me. Yeah, I'll say. I don't think this is your fault, Debbie. I blame your parents. No, no, I was, I was, a, I was an active little girl. Wow. I was, and, and oh yeah, doing the slam your finger in the in the car door. Right. And the last wow. major one was uh, we were skating and I fell and 
hands go out in front of me, and um, I got two fingers run over by a skate. Oh my goodness! So all right, well, just for time, Debbie, I, I I gotta leave it there. I'm sorry. I I could I want to hear all this. This is fantastic. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that one. Um, how have you hurt yourself? Les from Hamilton. I was a teen, and I was I dummied myself running from an angry parent on Halloween night. I found a low-hanging tree branch. The teen uh, parent was angry because some friends and I were out scaring kids. I guess I kind of deserved that. Man, like these stories are fantastic. Uh, Keith and Lindsay, I almost cut my thumb off splitting wood. I mean, I did that once. I had a, uh, I was chopping wood with an axe, and it just nicked off the wood, and it skipped, and it came right up my shin, and it just, just nicked my pant. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.